0: Today, I want to share a little bit about the good news according to Matthew. And so I want to look here at the Jesus story, the nativity story, the birth of Christ. We don't have as much time to dive into the whole story, but we're going to start here in the very beginning of Matthew's gospel. It's actually only Matthew and Luke that really give us some sort of birth story Mark just jumps right into the ministry of Jesus and and John has this other thing that he's doing. But we're going to talk about Matthew's story today and then we'll read from Luke's gospel on Christmas Eve. But if you have your Bible, go ahead and turn to Matthew chapter 1. If not, the verses will be on the screen as always. But what I'd like to do is I'd like to talk to you today about the Christmas story. What I'd like to do is talk to you about how the Christmas story is so much more than just this nice fairy tale that we think about once a year. It's so much more than just this nice cozy thing. You know, sometimes we can kind of treat the Christmas story like it's just a nice Hallmark movie. And don't get me wrong, I like Hallmark. I ain't ashamed. How many of you men out there are like, listen, I ain't afraid to watch Hallmark? My, okay, we got like one. Come on, come on, put them up. Come on, let's see. It. There it is, there it is. The rest of you men who don't have your hands up, listen, your wife would really appreciate it. I'm just saying. I'm out here as your pastor giving you tips, all right? So wa- watch a Hallmark movie. Listen, I ain't ashamed. Every now and then there's a good one, I won't lie. <laughs> but, uh, you know, as much as I enjoy a good, cozy Christmas movie... Sometimes we can let the Christmas story just be a nice fairy tale or some nice cozy thing, and we can kind of miss out on how revolutionary and how powerful the first Christmas was. And so I want to start here in Matthew chapter 1, verse 1, the beginning of our New Testament. Here's what Matthew says. Matthew says, this is an account of the genealogy of Jesus Messiah, Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham. So Matthew here goes into this whole genealogy. It's this list of names from Abraham down to Jesus. And it's this kind of a strange way to start a, a biography or a gospel. Most of us reading a genealogy would, would kind of wonder, you know, okay, I recognize a couple of these names, but but what's Matthew really trying to do here? Right, why would he start his gospel with this list of names from Abraham all the way down to Jesus? And uh, I won't read the genealogy, and uh, you're welcome for that. But uh, I can tell you here what Matthew is doing with this genealogy is it's Matthew's way of saying that this story of Israel, this story of the Israelites, which starts all the way back in the book of Genesis, this story which started with God's promises to Abraham to bless all the nations, this story where if we read the Old Testament, the whole story is about this one family. It's about this one tribe, this one nation, this nation which God has called to be his chosen people, his blessed people. Matthew, by starting with this genealogy, he's saying that the promises that God made to this nation, the promises that God made to this people. And from generation to generation to generation, now this whole story is reaching its fulfillment. This whole story is reaching the moment that it was always intended to reach, that from Abraham all the way down now, it's coming to its culmination in the person of Jesus. And so what Matthew does here is, before he takes us into the present of what Jesus is doing, before he calls his readers into the future to look at their own lives, he first takes them backwards to Genesis. And so today I'd like to follow Matthew's lead. And before we jump into what does the Jesus story mean for my life or for your life, What does the Jesus story mean for the people of Peru in 2020 or the people of Cortland in 2020? Before we look at our story and our world, Matthew takes us backwards before he takes us forwards. And so I want to follow Matthew's lead here, and I want us to go all the way back to the book of Genesis. And as usual, I'm probably biting off more than I can chew but we're going to cover the whole Old Testament in about five minutes. You ready? Who's with me here? So, so Matthew here, he says, I want you to go all the way back to Genesis because if you're going to understand the Jesus story, you have to understand something, that Jesus doesn't just come and do some brand new thing. Now, Jesus, of course, does all sorts of new things, but Matthew wants you to understand that Jesus is not starting something new out of nowhere. Rather, Jesus is coming as the fulfillment of a really old story. In fact, if you're going to understand the Jesus story, you have to understand the Abraham story and the story of Israel, which Jesus comes as the fulfillment of. And so what happens here is Jesus, who comes as the climax of the Israel story, we have to go all the way back to the book of Genesis. So in the book of Genesis, here's what we find. We find that God comes as the creator. Anybody know that out there? Good. Everybody with me so far? God makes the whole world and he makes it perfect and good. Now what happens is God puts human beings at the center of his story with the world. It says in Genesis 1 that Human beings were to be in God's image and in God's likeness. And so as human beings, he said to Adam and Eve and to all humans, I want you to take dominion over the earth. I want you to spread out, to fill the earth, to multiply, and to have authority over the earth. And so humanity is at the center of God's story with the world. Now, unfortunately, it doesn't take long before humanity gets off track. Adam and Eve, they fail in the garden to be the people God called them to be. And then a few chapters later, we come to the story of Noah, and what we find is all of humanity is acting buck wild and crazy and living in sin and turning their back on the one true God. And so God has this refresh with the story of Noah. And then we come to the Tower of Babel, or Babylon, it's the same place where all of humanity unites against God, right? So what we see in the early chapters of Genesis is that very early on, humanity, who's supposed to be these righteous ones leading creation, humanity again and again is failing in their calling. Humanity has not quite gotten the story right, and so because humanity has sinned, Now, all creation has fallen under the power of darkness. All creation has fallen under the power and the curse of sin. And so God's response to this curse is to raise up a man named Abraham, and so that through Abraham and his descendants, all the nations will be blessed. So I want to read to you here from Genesis 12. Here's what it says. It's it's fascinating. God says to Abraham in Genesis 12, the Lord says to Abram, go from your land, your relatives and your father's house to the land that I will show you. I will make you into a great nation. I will bless you and I will make your name great and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and I will curse anyone who treats you with contempt. Now look at this last part here. And all the peoples on the earth will be blessed through you. So I want you to see this here. This is a big moment in the story. So for the first part of Genesis, we're looking at the whole world, all of creation. But what happens here in Genesis 12 is God says, my solution to the curse is a blessed people. In fact, this blessing is not just for this people, But rather, the blessing will go on them and then through them, so that through this family, all families will be blessed. Through this nation, all nations will be blessed. And so from Genesis 12 through the rest of the Old Testament, the whole story is about this one family, this family who is supposed to bless the nations. This is God's response to the curse of sin. God is going to narrow in. So even though all of humanity has failed, all the nations have failed, God is going to choose one nation to be his remnant, one nation who will bless all the other nations. You guys tracking with me so far? And so what happens here is Israel is now at the center of God's story with the world that because humanity has failed, there's this one remnant within humanity, and this remnant has the task of being the light to the nations, of being a priesthood to all the earth. Now, if you've read any part of the Old Testament, you will know that as beautiful as it is, there's also great sorrow and tragedy, and it seems like they never quite reach the mission that God called them to reach, right? Even the best of them seem to fail, right? Moses, for how great he is, doesn't make it into the promised land because of sin. Even the great King David who killed Goliath ends up murdering a guy so he can have his wife. Not good stuff, right? That it seems like even the best and the brightest don't quite seem to help Israel reach what it was called to do. Now, it's in this dark moment in the story where we see that Israel's story, they end up in exile in Babylon because of their sin. And there's an irony here, right? Because it was out of the Tower of Babel of Babylon where they were called out in the beginning, and they end up back there because of their sin. And so it seems like God's promises to creation have failed. It seems like God's promise to bless the nations through Abraham have failed. And it's in that place where Matthew, he he comes and he he introduces us to this figure. And Matthew says here that Jesus is coming as this long-awaited fulfillment to Israel's story. That this story where God said to Abraham that that through you, I will be a blessing to all nations. I will redeem all nations from the curse of sin, from the power of sin. Matthew comes bringing good news, which is like the coming of dawn after a long and dark night. And what he says to us here is that God's promises to save the world, God's promises to redeem the nation's are coming to their fulfillment in the person of Jesus. So I want to read to you here, Matthew. Again, I won't read the whole genealogy. I won't read to you the whole thing. But here's what he says in verse 17. He lists from Abraham all the way down to Jesus. And here's what Matthew says. All the generations from Abraham to David were 14 generations. And from King David to the exile in Babylon... 14 generations. And from the exile to Babylon until the Messiah, 14 generations. The birth of Jesus Christ came about in this way. After his mother Mary had been engaged to Joseph, it was discovered before they came together that she was pregnant from the Holy Spirit. So her husband Joseph, being a righteous man and not wanting to disgrace her publicly, decided to divorce her secretly. But after he had considered these things, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream saying, Joseph, son of David, don't be afraid to take Mary as your wife, because what has been conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to name him Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. The name Jesus means God saves. So, Matthew here, he gives this whole genealogy. He says, listen, Jesus the Messiah, he's coming as the fulfillment of this long line from Abraham all the way through King David and the exile, and now it culminates in Jesus. And Matthew does this kind of weird thing here where he says there's 14 generations from Abraham to David, 14 from David to the exile, and 14 from the exile to the Messiah. Now, some of you are like, I don't even know what's happening right now. Like, why is there these genealogies, these family trees? Like, why does it matter, these numbers? Like, I don't even understand the point of this. But you see, numbers in the Bible are highly symbolic. In fact, Matthew kind of has this thing here with the number seven. The number seven means completion or fulfillment. So 14, when you have 14 from Abraham to David, that's two sets of seven. You guys tracking with me so far? This is some Bible math, but I promise it's good stuff. Okay? So Matthew wants you to know that there's two sets of seven from Abraham to David, two more sets of seven to the exile, and two more sets of seven to the Messiah. So when we add all that up, what we get to is six sets of seven generations. You guys tracking with me? What Matthew wants you to know and understand, and Matthew is probably one of the most Jewish of the Gospels, so his readers would understand that the number seven is about fulfillment. It's about completion. And when we have six sevens leading to the Messiah, what that means is, is that after the Messiah comes the seventh seven. It's a Bible math way of saying That with Jesus comes the fulfillment of all fulfillments. With Jesus comes the completion of all completions. That with Jesus comes the seventh seven. That this long story's promises are being fulfilled. It's now coming to the moment when God brings this whole thing to completion. You see, what's happening in the Bible is that there's this narrowing that's happening. So God chooses all of humanity, but humanity fails. So God narrows in on Israel, and they're supposed to bless the nations. But then all of Israel fails, so God's remnant is down to one. And so what happens here is Jesus comes as the center of the center. That the calling that humanity had to take dominion is now resting on one. The calling that Abraham had to bless the nations is now resting on one. And so Jesus becomes the hinge of all of history. Jesus becomes the center of God's story with the world. And if God is going to save the world, if God is going to change the world, if he's going to rescue the world, it's going to happen because this one person is carrying the weight of the world on their shoulders. And Matthew wants you to know right here from the very beginning that those promises will come true, that this story is going to reach its fulfillment, that what happens in Jesus is that Jesus is a true son of Adam who shows us God's image, who takes dominion over the earth. Jesus is a true son of Abraham who blesses the nations. Now, why does Matthew want us to know this? What does any of this have to do with your life and my life? And I'll tell you, it has everything to do with it. Because you see, the world's story is now resting on Jesus. This story of curse and brokenness and darkness, which has infected God's good world. God says, I have an answer to this darkness. I have an answer to this problem. And this story is coming to its long-awaited fulfillment in the person of my son. This Messiah is coming, and he's going to get the story of the world back on track again. He's going to bring this thing to the moment that God had always called it to be. You see, God promised that one day the nations will be blessed. One day the curse of sin would be dealt with. And I want you to see this here. Matthew wants you to understand that with the arrival of Jesus, everything changes. With the arrival of Jesus, the world has never been the same. And you see, this is what the Christmas story is all about. It's a way of saying that since Jesus came as the newborn king, the blessing which God promised has already begun. The rescue from the powers of darkness has already started. See, sometimes we can see all the things happening in our world, and we just look ahead to what's to come. And don't get me wrong, there's great things ahead. But Matthew wants you to understand that not only are there great things ahead, but something has actually happened through the birth of Jesus, which God has begun to deal with the brokenness and the curse in this world. See, what Christmas really is about, Christmas is about the dawn of God's revolution. When God deals with the powers of darkness, which held us in bondage to sin, which held us in bondage to the things of this world, it's in this moment where Jesus comes as the newborn king. I like that phrase, newborn king, because what it tells us is, what it tells us is this. It's that he's not going to be king one day down the road when he comes back, although he will. It tells us that as soon as he stepped into this thing, he was already in charge. He was already the king. And you see, Christmas is about so much more than just a nice fairy tale or a cozy song or a, a cozy carol or movie, as wonderful as all of that is. No, what Christmas is, it's the arrival of the world's true king. Christmas is the beginning of God stepping in and saying, I'm putting this thing right. See, when you believe the real Christmas story, it's about so much more than the commercialism, which Christmas often becomes in our culture. In fact, even as Christians, we try and do our part, right? We don't want it to just be about all that, but even we get busy, Even we get caught up in everything going on. We even have our slogans, right? Keep Christ in Christmas, and he's the reason for the season. But more than just a nice slogan, more than any of those things, we begin to see that with the coming of the Messiah, the world has never been the same. This is the arrival of, of the world's true lord maybe some of you are saying and allison you can come on up here you know maybe some of you are saying what does this have to do with me what is my life thousands of years later what does this have to do with 2020 the pandemic all the racial stuff happening, a uh, insane election, things happening with my job or my family. You see, here's what this means. and Matthew wants you to catch this. It's that God's story with the world, God's story with Israel, and God's story with Jesus have the power to change your story it's that this isn't just something that happened a long time ago this wasn't just a nice thing that happened once upon a time but rather that with the arrival of the Messiah the world's true Lord has come to set the world right again the world's true Lord has come to put things back in place That Jesus comes as the true descendant of Adam who bears God's image and who has dominion over the earth. He's the true son of Abraham who blesses the nations. You see, it says here in verse 21 that we read, you are to name him Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. See, when you and I think of sins... We just think of, you know, I made a few mistakes and now God's letting me off the hook. Now don't get me wrong. God does forgive us personally, but more than that, it's a way of saying not just your individual mistakes or my individual mistakes, but on a global level, God has dealt with the power of sin, which has infected his good world. The curse of sin and the powers of darkness which invaded God's good creation are now being dealt with through Jesus the Messiah. Jesus comes as the one who is an extension of God's saving, glorious power. And when Jesus comes to save us from sin, it's a way of saying that at a fundamental level, God has dealt with the brokenness in this world. See, if there's one thing that everybody on the planet agrees with, it's that this world is messed up. We all believe in truth, but we're not quite sure what truth is. We all disagree. We all want justice, but it never quite seems to come to pass. We all want freedom, but it always seems like it's being threatened and out of reach. We all want to do the right thing. But even within ourselves, we know that we struggle to live up to the ideals that we've set for ourselves, let alone the ideals that God has given us. And you see, when it says that Jesus came to deal with sins, it's about so much more than just a few mistakes that you or I made. It's a way of saying that at a fundamental level, God has dealt with the brokenness in this world. And it's because this world is now a different place that with the arrival of Jesus, here's what it means. The arrival of Jesus means there's a new power running the show. The arrival of Jesus means there's a new one seated on the throne. That with the arrival of Jesus, the powers of darkness and the curse of sin are being dealt with. And here's why the Jesus story means everything for our story. It means that because Jesus is now Lord over heaven and earth, because he has dealt with the brokenness in this world, it means that now you and I can step into the victory of Jesus. See, the gospel is not about turning over a new leaf. It's not about you and I trying to get our act together. It's about stepping into the victory of what someone else did on your behalf. That's why Christmas is not good advice. It's not a good program. It's not good rules. It's good news. It's good news of what God has done for you in the Messiah. And so, Christmas is a way to say, listen, because of the Jesus story, your story doesn't have to be the same. The powers which enslaved us to sin, which enslaved us to darkness, are now overthrown by Jesus the King. And you and I can step into that victory, that we can walk in forgiveness. We can walk in the mercy and grace that God has in store for us. See, I don't know what situation you find yourself in today. I don't know where you're at in life. But I can tell you that if you let him, Jesus' story can change everything. You can let his death be the death of your old life. And you can let his resurrection be the beginning of your new life in him. See, Matthew's telling us through his gospel that the promises are being fulfilled. The nations are being blessed. There's a new king on the throne. And that through his birth, his life, his death, and his resurrection, the world has never been the same. And Christmas is a chance for us to believe the good news and to step in to that victory. Some of you maybe would say, yeah, but if if Jesus is running the show now, then why is the world so messed up? Why is there still so much brokenness in the world? And you see, that's where you and I come into the story, church. Because what Jesus does is he wins the victory and then he invites his followers to implement his victory in all corners of the globe. See, what Jesus does is he invites you and I to join the story. He invites you and I to expand his kingdom to the furthest corners of Cortland and the furthest corners of Peru. It's a way of saying that because God has put us right, now we begin to put the world right. You see, we join Jesus in his calling to take dominion over the earth, to bear the image of God. We join Jesus in his calling to bless the nations like Abraham. See, this is your calling, church, that because Jesus has healed us, we become his healers for our city and our world. Because Jesus has justified us, we become his justice people in our world because Jesus has rebuilt the broken areas in our lives we begin to rebuild the broken places in our city this is what we've been called to is that the Messiah wins the victory and then he invites us to join the story he invites us to join the task To take up the mission, to expand his dominion in the earth. See, with Jesus, God's story with the world turns a corner. Where the power of sin is dealt with, the price of sin is paid, and now you and I are invited to join the revolution, to expand his leadership, expand his dominion, heal the world where it's broken. Bring justice where there is injustice. Bring light where there is darkness. That's what Christmas is all about. It's an invitation to believe that Jesus is Lord and to live differently in that light. What would it look like if we lived like Jesus is Lord? What would it look like if we said, Because of what happened 2,000 years ago with the birth of this newborn king, what does that mean for our lives? How does that change how we live since there's a new power on the throne? This changes everything. now you and I are invited in to this grand narrative. It means that there's hope. It means that the promises that God has for your life will be fulfilled. You know, Corinthians says that all the promises of God find their yes in Jesus. See, God has promises for your life. God has things in store for your life. And if Matthew 1 tells us anything, It's that it doesn't matter how dark the story gets. God always brings his promises to fulfillment. I know this has been a crazy year. Some of you would say, yeah, my story really got off track this year. I had so many plans. I had so many things I thought would work out. And nothing's turning out how I thought it would. Let me give you good news today. And it's that Jesus, the Messiah, the Son of God, brings every story to its long-awaited fulfillment.